Let's pray first. Our Father, truly to you belong all the honor and praise. And Holy Spirit, I want to ask this morning that you would come and speak to all of us, Lord. Speak to me. Speak to each one of us. And as we spend time in your word and listening to your voice speaking to us, would you come and change us? Would you come and move us, Lord? Yeah. Amen. So, welcome again. Uh, It's great to be back for this year. And this morning, uh, what I felt to speak about was the A in the Bible. Um, It's abide. And normally I read from the NIV version of the Bible. But the funny thing is the word abide is not in the NIV. So, this morning we're reading from the New King James Version which is the one where, which I got saved into. Actually, the old King James is what I got saved with. Um, Thou art great, our Lord. There's one remnant person with the old King James. Um, many of the scriptures that I remember off by heart, still this, to this day, many years later, would be from the old King James. Uh, I sometimes look for it in the NIV and I can't find it. So the word abide is one of those that I only found in the King James. So let's read from God's word. John 15, verse 1 to 8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anything does not abide in me, anyone, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So Jesus spoke these words. We just read from John 17 as well, a little bit later. But these are Jesus' words, and he was actually speaking to his disciples just before he, he, he went. So we could say, well, does this hold to us? So let's jump to Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7. And now this is written by Paul to the church in Colossians, uh, which wouldn't have been Jews predominantly. So they, they would, have, would have been uh, Gentiles like you and I that got saved. So does this, still a, does this abide thing? Was it just for the disciples or does it, is it for us? So yeah. Paul writes, so then, just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That's the same thing. It's rooted in, locked in, connected to, and bear much fruit. 
overflowing with thankfulness. That's just one of the fruit that uh, we can bear if we are found in the vine. I've got a, got a prop here this morning. I'll show you. I, I hid it. Otherwise, you all would have guessed what I was preaching about. <laughs> Bad night immediately knew. This is from my garden. I cut it off this morning. This is a real vine. The only thing is it's dead. So you'd think an old vine like this, I would love to keep this in my garden. You know, it's beautiful. It's old. It's grown. It's got so much potential. The only thing is it's dead. It didn't, didn't live again. When the rest of the vine started sprouting at the end of winter this year, this was found to be dead. So was it hard for me to cut this off this morning? It wasn't. Actually, I should have cut it off earlier because this is the start of disease in the rest of the garden. This will kill my garden if I leave it. I've got to cut this off. This is going to be burnt. Something, something infested this and killed this. So this is no longer in the vine. And I don't know. I mean, I grew up in Cape Town among the vineyards. So in wintertime, everything looks like this. You can't tell the difference between someone that's alive and dead in winter. And then the most miraculous thing happens out of that when summer comes. I've got another prop, also from my garden. (laughs) For those that are listening to the recording, it was a dead stump. Yeah, look at this. This is also from my garden. Different piece of the same vine. Well, actually not the same one, but one that looked exactly like that, just in a different part of the garden. Look at that, life. The life comes out of that, that thing. Seems impossible, but it, 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 it happens every year. That looks like that, and then this starts growing from that. And it bears, this is what bears fruit. That piece of the vine never has any fruit on it. This piece grows, and the birds already ate everything that was on this. So, and that's amazing because it's fed the birds. And uh, look at this green life. You can see that this carries life. This is the picture that Jesus is showing us, yeah, when he's speaking. He's saying, I am the true vine. And then he says, my father is the wine dresser. That was me in this case. He comes and he looks at it and he goes, there's no life left in that. And he cuts that off and he throws it into the fire. I'm going to start on the scary side of this verse, obviously, because that's where Jesus started it. (laughs) It means that you could be bearing fruit this year because that thing was growing last year. And the next year, somehow you've lost connection with the, the true, the, the, the part of the vine that actually carries life. And you don't come out of dormancy. You don't have life in you. And then the gardener, the vine dresser comes and cuts you off so that you will not kill the whole thing. So God's not this angry God that walks around and cuts half dead people off. He says, a broken reed we will not break. God simply removes that which is already dead. 
So that, I hope, is not any of us. Definitely, I don't want to be found there. And then there's the next thing that he does. He goes and he says, well, wait a minute, you are bearing fruit. Great. So what God comes, he comes with a pair of shears, and he says, I want lots of fruit from this one. And then he cuts pieces off from something that's alive. Now, that could be painful sometimes. So when things go wrong in your life, don't always think that, uh, that you've done stuff wrong. Maybe you've done stuff right. And God's going, wait a minute, if I shape you a little bit like this, this is going to be so exciting. This is going to be so much fruit. And you're going, like, oh, somebody cut me. Why did that happen to me? So don't always see resistance as not from God. But the word abide, let's get to that first. What does this word mean, abide? I've realized that often we use words and we've lost what it means. We just use the word abide in me. Sounds great, doesn't it? What does it mean? So yeah, dwell or reside. Means I abide in my house. I stay there. It is mine. I have ownership. I belong. Abide. Endure or tolerate. It means patiently staying in a position which could be great or not so great. But you patiently stay. Abide. There's a sense of permanence in that word. Of tolerating. Not just going, wait, this is a little bit uncomfortable, I'm going to leave now. Like this morning, it's like this church expects me to come to the front and worship God here. That makes me feel very uncomfortable. I'm going to go look for a church that doesn't do that. Or the guy preached this morning, he didn't even wear shoes. I'm going to go look for a church where the guy that preaches has enough respect for God to wear shoes. I hope I don't offend you. Moses took his shoes off in the presence of God. He didn't put them on. He had them on. Just say. <laughs> Biblical reference. Obey. To adhere to. To obey. That's a sense of something's been told, I have to do it this way. And I'm in obedience. I don't do what I want to do, but I do whatever somebody else or a law that's imposed is wanting me to do. It's not something that comes on myself. This is abide. So abide's not just sit. It's not just stay, but it's also listen and do. Continue or persist. So if you don't continue, so it's also not a static thing to abide. It's not just to sit in the chair and abiding. There's a sense of continuing in, to persist in, to abide. If you, it's a little bit like water skiing, which my uncle told me to do. It's, if you let go of the thing, you stop water skiing. You'll float around for a little while and seem as if you're still skiing, but soon you'll lose momentum and just go, you did not abide with the boat. Remain steadfast or to stay. And that's very much, I think, the core of the biblical meaning of abide. It's to remain, to be steadfast and to stay in close connection with Jesus. So how does this practically work out for us? To abide. 
Well, if we go back to the scripture we read, it, Jesus said something to his disciples, which caught my eye this, this week when I was reading this. And it says uh, in verse, I should have made a note which verse. Um, in verse 3, I think that is, very small. Yes, it's verse 3. Verse 3, John 15, verse, verse 3, it says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Have you ever read that? You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. He's speaking to his disciples. He's talking about the vine. He's talking about God cleaning the vine and removing portions of it so it could be fruitful. And he's going, don't worry about it. You guys, the 12, you guys are already ready to bear fruit. Because of what? The word which I have spoken to you. So this morning for us, the parts that are not clean needs to be cleaned by the word. We have access to that word that cleaned the disciples. We've got access to that. You've, you've got access to the words that Jesus spoke and everything that his disciples then spoke. The fruit that they had out of the, the fact that they were clean. So in 2 Timothy, we read this. 2 Timothy 3, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So you can bear fruit. We have to spend time in God's word all the time, over and over and over again. Read the same scripture if you don't have more. So that... What happened to them can happen to you and to me. We have to be cleaned so that we can bear fruit. And a lot of that happens through the word. Washed through the word. The second thing, rooted. That was Colossians. You have to be found rooted. Rooted. You can't just pluck something out that's rooted. You know, it's, I don't know if you've got on your lawn... You've got little things sprouting out there that's not lawn, that you don't want. It's hard to get that stuff out. It's rooted. If it's small, you can get it out quickly. So if there's something wrong in your lawn or in your life, pluck it out while it's small. Once it's rooted, it's hard. That's the negative. The positive is also true. If you are rooted in Christ, nothing can remove you from him. But that's an active thing. It's a, it's a growth thing. It's an everyday thing. It's a, I'm found rooted in Christ. I'm, every morning I wake up, I, I'm rooted in him again. And those roots just, where is it? I want to grow deeper and deeper into him. In Philippians, we read this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a sense of rootedness. Like, don't be anxious about anything, no matter what comes your way this year. What do you do with it? Take it back to Christ. Be rooted in Him. Make your problem God's problem. That's okay. He's waiting for you. He said that this morning. Arms open wide. Waiting, waiting for you. A very, very important other concept that Jesus gives there is he says love. 
stay in the love. John 14 verse 15. If you love me, you keep my commands. That's John 14. And then in 15, he repeats it. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. There's a definite sense here that this growth only happens if you're rooted in Christ, but if you're in his love. It means that you understand his love for you, God's love for you. You've accepted that, and now it is growing through you. Just understanding that God loved me is not enough. If I don't bear fruit, I'm dead. And if I'm dead, I get cut off. This is, the, this is what love looks like. It's much nicer than this part, isn't it? Huh? I mean, some arty person could do something with a Chonet, would some, do something, she's already got a picture. Yeah, yeah, Chonet's got a, got a picture of how she can bring dead things to life in art. I lack imagination. Huh? Yeah, you could also do dead things to life. I can't. God can. You know that God can make this thing live. If I stick this into the ground, I can't make it live. But I know this. If I push this into the ground, if God wants, he can make this live. He can make this thing root and live. This is thoroughly dead. Promise you, I can hold it with two fingers. It's light by now. It's got no life in it. No, nothing. And that this morning is the news for us as well. There's that picture. It says, I think I'm jumping. But if you remain in God's love, what if you're not in God's love? What if you are dead? Well, don't worry. Because God says this. He says, once, while you were still dead in your transgressions. I think that's in Colossians. Let's see. In Ephesians. It says, you were dead, but God made you alive. God made us alive with Christ. Even when you were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you are saved. You and I look like this. Dead branch. We are dead. That's where we start. And that is good news. I'll get back to that. Being fruitful. What does being fruitful look like? Well, Galatians has got the fruit of the Spirit, right? What are are they? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. I don't know it off by heart. Eh? Didn't know it off by heart. I think the youth, I think you guys need to learn this off by heart. I'll do it with you. The fruits of the Spirit. It'll be a good exercise to be able to go like off by, by heart. I think there's seven. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Eight. Gentleness. Nine. Ah, missed that one. What does forbearance mean? Patience. No. Sorry. It's not what forbearance means. What does forbearance mean? 
hate that for more. No, it sounds like it's bearing something, isn't it? Long suffering. It's close. Here's what it really means. It means that I don't take up my own rights. I forbear the right to get the money that somebody owes me. It means I have a right to insist on something. That's a fruit of the Spirit. To not to insist to be right. Do not take up the right to, to be right. There's a, there's a fruit of the Spirit that's not that um, popular. Because when we're right, we're right, aren't we? It just popped out this for me when I, when I read this. Forbearance is, is a fruit of the Spirit. Do not take up my right when it is my right. So those are the things. That, those are the fruits. How much are that fruits in your life today? Think about them. Love. Is there love in your life? What does it look like? Joy. What does it look like? Peace. Are you that type of person? Would somebody say you're a joyous, peaceful, loving, kind person? Kind speaks of actions. Kind speaks of, of, of not just loving, but actually doing stuff for people. Yeah, so-and-so is uh, having a baby. Let's make them some food. I see that among us. I do. I see it. What I would want us this year to work on is that it's not a duty or a thing we do. You know, Josh Jane makes food for people when they're pregnant. It's great. It's, it's, it's great when they have a baby. It's like, great, it takes the pressure off the mom. And let's not stop doing it, but why are we doing it? Are we doing it just because that's what we do? Well, we're doing these things because God's moving our hearts in kindness, love, joy, peace. Are we actually enjoying doing it when we're doing it? Or is oh, my turn. Make food for the people. They're always sick. <laughs> I think they just get sick so they can get free food. Or is it, wow, here's an opportunity to serve somebody with love, joy, and kindness. I'm going to I'm going to put something extra in there, a little extra pudding something. Can't wait to get sick again. <laughs> Although I couldn't eat anything when I was sick. <laughs> Nothing. Nil per mont. Yeah. But my wife was very kind and loving to me while I was sick. I experienced, I really experienced it. Um, I must say, uh, John, I went to John for, for uh, Joni, because she's, she's our doctor. And uh, sure, she was very compassionate. <laughs> it's like, sure, I like bias here. <laughs> Are we like that? When people come into contact with you, is that what they experience for us to be like? And then love. Love is quite a big concept, so acts of love and kindness. The interesting thing is when you look up love in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians is the whole scripture about what love is. But if you go read it, you'll actually find what love isn't. It says very little of what love is. Corinthians says says it's patient and kind. And then it says the following, it does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor. It is not self-seeking. It, it's not, it does not get angry. 
It holds no record of wrong. It does not delight in evil. There's a lot of knots. Love is patient and kind. It holds no record of wrong. It rejoices in the truth. It protects trust, hopes, and perseveres. But there's a lot of stuff that you can go read in Corinthians that if that you find them, if you're boastful, my God, and it's so great this year. It's growing so nice. It's better than, oh, oh there I've lost it. <laughs> Did I make my garden grow? I watered it. God makes it grow. Am I proud? Difficult one, huh? Difficult one. I scored more points than he did. <laughs> Girls, <laughs> youth in school, it's like, are you proud? Doesn't mean you can't be, you can't feel accomplishment. And it doesn't mean you can't feel, wow, I worked hard for this and I deserve this. This is a good mark. And I am so, I'm, I'm really, it's, and, and, but can you remain grateful in that moment? God, thank you for giving me the ability and the opportunity. For giving me the teachers that despite their best efforts, I could still learn stuff. Oops, that was out loud. <laughs> to shape me and give me difficult times in school. Right? But are we boastful? Proud? Do we dishonor one another? That's a, that's a thing I... Yo. So we easily dishonor one another. We easily say, have you heard? And we, in the church, we have to be very careful, guys, in, in just doing this. Like, be very careful how much we share of other people's journeys. Somebody shares something with you, and you hear it in a certain way. Because you hear it through their lens and your lens. Who knows that what you see is not necessarily the truth? Right? I know that. What I see is not necessarily the truth. I see it, it happens right in front of me, and I'm like, that's what happened. After 9-11, about a year later, they interviewed a whole bunch of people in New York. And there were little kids that they interviewed that were in school that day. And they asked them, what happened? And they said, there was a plane, and it crashed into the building across the bay outside the window of our school. And the smoke, and they said, can you draw us a picture? And they drew a picture of the Twin Towers and the smoke that was coming out of it. And they said it filled the whole bay. Little kids, they were like grade two on that day. Then they went to their classroom. You can't see the building from their window. They couldn't see it. And the wind was going in another direction. The smoke would have gone the other way from that window. What they remembered was what they saw on TV later. But if you ask them, that's what we saw that morning. What they saw was a blank wall. And the bay in some other area of New York. What we think we see is not always what we really see. And what you remember you saw isn't always there. Somebody comes to you and they tell you something that they've seen. It's through their lens. And then you hear it through your lens. It is twice removed from the truth, often. 
be careful how and why we share things about one another. Do we as elders sometimes speak about guys in the congregation? We do. True story. We do. Why? Well, that's a very big question. Why? It is not to discuss. It is to come alongside and as fathers in the house to say, how are we going to bring this person through that which we see in their life? You know that God opens things for us to see in your lives that you might not even see. You might not even be aware of something in your life. And I could have a meeting with Bernard and say, what about Brendan? What do you feel for Brendan this year? And then Bernard says, I feel this. And I'm like, I've never seen that. Not because he spent time with Brendan, because the Holy Spirit shows him, this is what I have for him. That will be encouraging and uplifting and upbuilding. It won't be pushing him down and, and breaking him down. But do we, do we talk? Yes, we do. Do we talk to others? We can't. Not allowed to. We have to all be like that. If you see your brother sin, what do you do? Talk to them. That's what the Bible says. That's first line of defense. We'll talk about that again later. <laughs> this is more about you than other people. So that's just an extra little thing. Demonstrating joy in all circumstances. James 1. Count it pure joy when times of tribulation hits you. Right? That sounds so pleasing, isn't it? Count it pure joy. Yippee! My brother rolled his car down the mountainside and it's in pieces. Fantastic. Does that sound right? No, it doesn't sound right. We are joyous because when Uncle Wilmer used to say this, when you go to the valley of death, don't stop, keep going. You know, God is with you. Don't enjoy God there. Go to the mountaintop, which is on the other side of the valley. When you go through the valley of death and shadow with God on your side, it's amazing because God is there. Keep going. God will come with. Don't stop there. We don't rejoice because bad things happen. We rejoice because of what God is doing through it and because God is with you in it, that you are not alone and that you can endure it. You can go through it. You can come out the other side. And having gone through that, God has done amazing things in your character. And you can then point back and say, God, help me. How great is God? He did that. He took me through that valley. That is why we count it pure joy when bad things happen, when times of trouble comes. Abide in Christ. What do you get if you abide in Christ? Because there's a lot of giving, joy, giving to others. What do you get? Well, you get the prize. You get to live. You get to not be this branch that's dead, but you get to be this branch that's got flowers and fruit. That's a great prize. That's what you get. You get to live. That is the ultimate thing. Once you, we were all dead. And by a miracle, God made us alive. 
you get to know that you are alive. You get salvation. Surety of salvation. That's what you get. 1 John 5 says, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is, this, is his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write things, these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. It's one John, not John. Sorry. You get to have life if you abide in Christ. If you have him and you stay in him, you get to have life. You get to have a deeper relationship with God, deeper and deeper, rooted in him. You get to go deeper and deeper. You get to know more and more about God. You get to hear his voice clearer and clearer and clearer. Stay in God. Abide in Christ. You get to have resistance, persecution. Oops, now I'm going off the script in my night. You don't like that one. It's like you do get to have persecution. You get to have people say, but you're nuts. Why are you giving 10% of your income to what? What are you getting from it? You get to get life. And you get to go deeper with God. You get to have freedom. But there will be persecution. It's not a free ride. It's not the kingdom now. Right? You've heard that there's theology that says we live in heaven now. We don't. If this is heaven, I went out. <laughs> this cannot be heaven. Last week was hell. <laughs> don't tell me that there is no sickness. My nose is still running. My throat is still not fine. This cannot be heaven. This is not what God promised me. We are not in kingdom now. Uncle Wilmer said this. He says, faith is calling what you cannot see as if it is. Insanity is calling what is as if it isn't. So you know when you're sick, you're like, God, in, in your name, I am, I am healed. I am no longer sick. That doesn't make any sense, right? The prayer should go like this. God, in your name, I can see healing on the other side of the sickness. You can come and heal me, God. You can do it now or you can do it through time. That is faith. It's seeing the unseen as if it is. Not what is as if it isn't. My brother's car that rolled down the hill is in pieces. And calling it something differently in the spirit is insane. It's not faith. We can thank God that he's in one piece. That we can do. But the crash was there. And that's going to happen in our lives. You're going to have things. There's some more subtle things. You don't have to roll your car. It's just going to, this year is going to happen. You're going to get busy. On Wednesday, the youth's going to go to school and the teachers are going to give them assignments and they're going to be feel, feel overwhelmed, especially in the beginning of the year. 
huge amount, piles of work, books to cover. Cover your own books. Yes, do it. <laughs> cover your own books. And thank your parents for all the years that they've done it up to this point. At least help them so that next year maybe you could do it on your own. But you're going to get piles of work piled on you. Where's Tris? Tris just started a new job. It's not going to be fun. Your boss is going to expect you to work when you don't feel well. There's going to be hours spent in hot ceilings and drilling and getting dust all over you. Working in the sun in the summer. And guess what? In winter, in rain and snow. It's coming. What's your response to that though? Where's God in that moment? Will you be able to keep your heart as joyous as you are now? That, hey, I've got a job. Because it's not just fun and games. Where is God then? And what are you going to do? Are you going to allow that to steal your joy, peace, love, kindness? Even when your boss is really unfair as far as you can see. What do you do? What do you do? I don't know if you work for yourself, your boss is really unfair all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Expects you to work for no pay. Long, long hours. Way past what the legal requirement says. But what do you do? Where's God in that moment? And the important thing is actually not to be distracted from following God. Even then. Keep slotted in. Keep abiding in Christ. Keep persevering. Keep connected to him. In those moments when work becomes so much, reset yourself. Often this year, go, wait a minute, I'm too busy with my work. I need to do all of that. But, okay, I'm going to find a moment just, where are, you, where are you, God, and how do you want me to approach this? <sighs> okay, with joy, love, peace. Don't feel it, but... Okay, God, with you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the next step and do it. Reset yourself often this year. Trials and hardship. James 1. They're coming. You know that success is not defined by the amount of times that you fall. It's defined by the amount of times that you get up. Just one more time. Just once more. And when you fall, when you fail, when you whatever, it's like get up one more time. One more time. At the end, it's whether you got up one more time, whether you succeed or not. And do that in God. One more time. Just get up and keep going. God's with you, and you can do more than you think you can with him by your side. Don't stop. Do not stop. Persevere. This is what this says. It's don't stop and do it. Do the good things. Even when you're tired, even when you don't feel well this year, do it. Do I feel like spending my money and going to a foreign nation that has abandoned God? And don't they deserve planes through their buildings? Don't they? Because, I mean, 
They've left God. They've written him out of school. I mean, it's nice here in Africa. We can still preach the word. Maybe we should just work for ourselves. But that's not what God said. So when this year America opens up, I believe it's going to happen to us as a movement for 12. Are you ready? What if I tell you you're going to get nothing back? You're going to spend a lot of money. You're not going to get to see much of America. You're going to see the rolling hills of North Carolina, or South Carolina. Go to Google Earth and see that it's not very glamorous. It's, it looks like the free state, except it's the size of South Africa. Hills and hills and hills of maize and corn. Little towns with nothing in it. Not even a McDonald's. <laughs> Flies in the roadhouse. What if I tell you, you're going to fly there, you're going to make coffee for people, and you're going to come back. Will you do it? Will you buy a ticket for 20,000 rand and go? Because God says. Is that, because you might have to. Have you got a burning desire? Because if you don't, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to actually start moving your heart. To give you a heart for, for the lost. That you would look out your window while driving through Otsuran and see people walking past you and go, Oh God, they lost. Not ach shame. I, God saved me. He plucked me out of that net that I was entangled in. Still get myself entangled in it every day. And then he plucks me out again. It's not me. It's God. But it's my heart moved to see those that don't have him plucking them out of that net on a daily basis. And I'm moved with that, with compassion, to say, God, I feel love, joy, peace, kindness towards these people. I can't, how, what do I do? How do I represent you so that they can know you? If you don't have that as a burning desire in your heart, ask the Holy Spirit to make you alive. Ask the Holy Spirit, come and set me on fire for you. Because then, if your job gets too much, and, 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 you would prioritize it according to God's priorities. Don't build your house so much this year that you don't build God's. Build his house first. So, finishing. What do they say? Landing. Abide in Christ. Stay in Him. Stay rooted in Him. If you do, you don't run the risk of being cut off. If you do, you will bear much fruit. That is what he promises. Jesus said that. He didn't say, maybe you will. He said, you will. If you are in me and I am in you, you have no choice but to bear fruit. Then there's no, you don't have to worry about, ooh, am I bearing enough fruit? God will tend you. God will 
come and do things and make you more fruitful. But stay in Christ. Know who you are. You're a son of God. You're a child of the Most High, the King. You represent him. Do it. Represent him. Go deeper with God. You are called to be more than what you think you are. If you think this is who you are, I'm telling you God wants you to be that. God does not want you to settle at all. He wants you to have exponential growth and be fruitful. That brings joy to the Father. That was the end of that scripture. It says, so that God's joy, so that my Father can be glorified. Jesus says, so that my joy can be complete in you. Bear fruit. He wants you to do it. How do we respond to this message this morning? So the first, the first thing is, I think, I always want to do this. Are you dead this morning? Are you still dead in your transgressions? This morning you're listening to what I'm saying and you're going, but I don't know, Jesus. I don't feel this fruit. There is no growth in me. I've heard of it. I think it's impossible for you to live in South Africa and not to have heard it. Plenty of times. They could be dangerous. But if you look at yourself, have you ever borne fruit? Is that there? Joy, peace, love, kindness. Does that come out of you? Or is it hatred and all the other not stuff that flows out of you? Or is it just nothing flowing out of you? Are you just numb? Because here's the offer. Jesus died for you. Why? So that what is dead can be made alive. It's a miracle. It is, it is a miracle every time that somebody gets to give their hearts to, to Jesus. Jesus. 